0: Good morning everyone. My name is G. I serve as one of the elders here at the City Life Church. Um, tomorrow is a Memorial Day. I know you probably have all sorts of kind of plans for tomorrow, probably barbecuing and going to shopping and all sorts of kind of things. But I would encourage you, if you could, take a moment of your time tomorrow to remember those who sacrificed for this country by dying on the war field. Uh, that's what the day is all about. Um, whether you are uh, Republicans or Democrats or whatever the party that exists, it doesn't really matter. Tomorrow we remember those who are willing to sacrifice their lives so that you and I can live. And it's exactly uh, what a model that actually our savior has shown us why he gave his life that we may live. So what an example they have been by willing to lay down their life for you. Uh, Someone actually said freedom isn't free. Isn't that so true? Uh, That everything that we enjoy in this wonderful country we love is all because those who are willing to sacrifice for it. So please take take a moment to do that tomorrow. Promise? Good. This morning, I'm very excited because we are beginning our new series on the book Of John or Gospel of John, and we're going to be focusing on next 14 weeks, all throughout the summer, focusing on this one gospel. Now, it's not just this year, but next year, we're going to be also spend the next summer focusing on the rest. First, this year we're going to be focusing on focusing on chapter one through 11, and next year we're going to follow up and finish up with the 12 to 21. So you really have a great opportunity to become expert in the Gospel of John. So, um, as the announcement actually said, there is a starter, uh, which is our daily devotional. Uh, our contributors are an amazing group of people, faithful servant of this house, and they take their time to write, actually, each week, you know, to, to cover a certain portion of a scripture. Uh, I say that because today I have a responsibility to give you the introduction, overview, and chapter one which is impossible to do. So what I'm going to do today is actually cover only a portion of the scripture, but give you as much background as possible this morning. And here at City Life Church, we value God's word. What we mean by that is we are passionate about studying, meditating, and applying proper interpretation and applying the word to our life. We believe that if we desire to know God, it begins with the God's word. There is no shortcut to this. For God has given us his word in order that we may know him intimately. And it is hope of our leadership here at the City Life Church that you get to encounter God in a fresh and new way by studying God's word. We would like for you to join us as we study this wonderful book together as a community. Now, before I go into actually the sermon itself, I uh, just want to give you uh, what's happening in the Yoon household. I haven't been up here in a while. Some exciting news. We actually added additional member to our family. Abigail is her name. So now I have a two daughters, beautiful daughters. Gets me all nervous. So I'm probably, you know, go and buy some guns or something, you know, just to <laughs> ammunition or whatever, you know. But anyways, uh, but it's, it's, my wife is doing well, Sierra, many of you know, she's doing well. She's recovering well at home, but uh, we're definitely blessed uh, this time of our life. We're just amazed um, that Lord is blessing us with the wonderful children, so we're definitely grateful. So if you open your Bible this morning, uh, your phone, your app, or simply direct your attention to the screen behind me on the gospel of john chapter one let us read the word together in the beginning was word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was a true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness to him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he, has declared him, this is the word of the Lord. So how should I begin this sermon this morning? Shall I begin with the uniqueness of this gospel? How it is quite different than other gospels? Or shall I begin with John the apostle, the beloved disciple who wrote this amazing gospel? Or shall I begin with my personal story? How this gospel has shaped my faith and helped me to better understand who Christ is. Now, to be honest with you, this was a very difficult task for me to prepare for this sermon. Not because it was easy or because it was one of my favorite books of the Bible, but perhaps because there are so many things that I'd like to share with you. How I found the beauty of my savior through this gospel and how magnificent and awesome our God is. Also, many of you know I go to Israel quite often and so because I've been going to Israel for so many years, going to the site where all this story has taken place have put a new revelation of some of these things, some of these stories. Whether it is the story of Nicodemus, Samaritan woman, healing of a man at the pool of Bethesda, Woman caught in adultery, which we reenact at the Temple Mount, raising of Lazarus. And how about the Passover discourse, which we actually study at the upper room that you can actually visit today. Now, we just had a team of City Life Church that actually been to Israel for the Gospel of John. Anybody in here? Raise your hand if you actually been. Yes, Duncan. Come on, some of you guys. Yes, you guys been. You know, one thing that I am very excited about for our members going to Israel is this. It's not because I want you to come with me. You can go with other companies if you like though I believe that we have the best tour guides in Israel. Why is this? Because I know when I first went to Israel and experienced the land myself. And here's the takeaway. They day every single one that actually been to Israel will never read the Bible the same. That can have a great impact in your life. So that's what I'm excited for but today now that I only have 23 minutes to go I will try my best to give you the all the introduction and the preliminary work overview and then if we have time we will exegete a little bit of scripture together is that okay so let us begin let us begin with the author. Who is the author of this gospel? So many of you will probably just say, hey, John wrote it, because in the title of your Bible, actually on the top, it says, The Gospel According to John the Apostle. But I will say to you, maybe you are not serious Bible study people or Bible scholar. This is actually a pretty controversial issue. Some people actually reject that this was actually John who wrote it. And I get it. Some of the terminology or the Greek that was used Brought, some, brought up some important things that we might have to be doubt that this gospel was actually written by John. But I will say, I personally believe it is that John the apostle actually wrote the gospel and then I'll prove it to you by just following the internal evidence. Number one, it is the beloved disciple, the beloved disciple is mentioned five times in the gospel that is the one of the 12, okay? That's fact number one. Number two, How do we know? Because he was presented at the Last Supper, okay? Number three, synoptics, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, indicate that Jesus observed the Passover meal with only the 12 disciples. So it is one of the 12. Now, Peter, James, and John could be possible beloved disciples. But here's the problem. Peter is actually mentioned by his name. James, when this gospel was written, they believe that it is between eighty to ninety AD. James was already martyred for his faith. Just by process of elimination, John is the one authored the fourth gospel. Not only this, there are more. Irenaeus of Lyon, who lived in 130 to 202 AD, who knew Polycarp. Just bear with me on this. This is all past. Polycarp, which is our other church father, who lived in 69 to 156 AD. Now, he actually knew John, the apostle that is. And he said, John lived in Ephesus and John the disciple of the Lord who also leaned upon his breast, he himself published a gospel during his residence at Ephesus in Asia. Convinced? But that's not all, I have more. Early church usage, the church accepted as one of the canon. They believe that it was Apostle John that actually wrote the Gospel. And obviously the last one is canonicity, which is it was accepted as original canon of the New Testament that you have today. All that to say, there are overwhelming evidence that says John is the author. Convinced? If not, come and talk to me afterward. Next, there are four divisions to this Gospel. First is the prologue, which is we read this morning. Prologue serves as actually the introduction, not only introduction, but the overview of the whole gospel. A lot of the things that you will see that you read today is going to be mentioned all throughout the gospel. A lot of terminology, a lot of different words that's going to be using at the prologue that's going to be used all throughout the gospel. Now, part one of the gospel, chapter 119 to 1250 is actually focusing on the signs and miracles. Signs are important. That's which we will discuss a lot more as we follow along with our series. Part two, 13.1 through 20.31 covers the Passover discourse, obviously, the death and resurrection of Christ. And finally, the fourth part is the epilogue, 21, one through 25. Now, the purpose of this gospel, you might ask, which I didn't have to do that much work because John actually gives us what, the, what is the purpose. In chapter 20, verse 31, John says, "'But these are written that you may believe "'that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, "'and that believing you may have life in his name.'" And obviously, you can tell if you are a student of the Bible, which many of you are, I know. You can probably tell that there are clear differences between the synoptics and the Gospel of John. There's something unique about it. When you read the Gospel as a whole, there's something unique and different than other three Gospels. The Gospel of Matthew, every author has their intent, their purpose, their reasoning, why they actually write. Audience matters, who are they writing to? All this actually matters for the authors to determine what is his intent, what is his purpose. Matthew opens his by casting his eyes on both on Israel's past and tracing the continuity of the history he is narrating with the whole divinely guided course of Israel's development. Gospel of Mark, man of action in a single brisk line, presents his as on account of how great religious movement in which he was bearing his part took his rise in an intervention of God in Judea, Israel. Gospel of Luke, The Luke, the scholarly historian, begins his gospel with a series of finely turned clauses designed to inspire confidence in the exactness of his information and the accuracy of the narrative in which he recounts the life history of the founder of Christianity. Now, the Gospel of John, Defer from other Gospels in taking from the divine Christ is starting point. The other begins on the plane of human life. John begins in the interrelations of the divine person in eternity. Now, B.B. Warfield, who is one of my favorite theologians of the 20th century, and also that we can give you other than C. S. Lewis at City Life Church. Because our pastor's obsessed with the C. S. Lewis. So let me just give you somebody else. Okay? B.B. Warfield. This is what he says. Precisely what John in this preface of his gospel represents Jesus as really being. We repeat, is God manifested in the flesh. Not God merely, though he does represent him as God, and that is the fundamental thing. Least of all, as one who was once God, but ceased to be God, on becoming flesh, even for a time only, or for some aspect only. But specifically, as God manifested, fully manifested in the flesh. His interest is not in what Jesus once was, so much as in what Jesus continually was. His purpose is to prepare his readers for the manifestation of deity which they will meet in the story of Jesus' life and teaching. To make these seem to them the natural in this man and thus to enable them to read them simply and without shock of surprise. Another thing that John does, this is the last thing, I'll share about with the background information, is that John uses Illusions, allegory, metaphors to reveal who Christ is. Now, he will do this by quoting the Old Testament. It's hard for me to say it's allegory because for me, a lot of these illusions are foretelling of what was to come. John exactly knew, he knew exactly who Jesus was, and he understands the scripture because he understood the Pentateuch or the Old Testament. He understood a lot of the things that were mentioned that were also foretelling of the Christ. There are 14 explicit Old Testament quotations in this gospel. Nine quotes are from chapter one through 12, and five from chapter 13 to 21. 50% are from Psalms, four from Isaiah, two from Zechariah, one from the Torah. Now, biblical rationale for the rejecting of Jesus as a Messiah is the number one thing what John used the allusion for. Isaiah 53 of the suffering servant, if you don't know, if you haven't read Isaiah 53, it's a foretelling of Jesus, exactly what he did 2,000 years ago. Now, prior to 1238, verse 1238, the Old Testament references are pretty sporadic. It's all over the place. But... Afterward, it emphasized the fulfillment of the scripture with regard to Jesus' passion. Now, I have 13 minutes yeah, to cover what we read this morning. So let us go right into it, okay? In the beginning was the word. Now, I don't know about you, but if you are a Bible student, a student of the Bible, you automatically tell that there is a connection. There is probably just a light bulb coming to your brain. I heard that before. Where did you hear it? That's right. It's in Genesis, it appears in the Genesis that God in the beginning, God. But John, he used the same allusion but says in the beginning was the word. What happens in the beginning, you might ask? Everybody knows this because everybody's a Bible student here. Significance of in the beginning. Okay, that is what John is trying to get at. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. How? God said. Verse verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6, God said, let there be firmament, there was a firmament. Verse 9, God said, I can keep going. Verse 11, God said. Verse 14, God said. Verse 20, God said. Verse 24, God said. And finally, the glorious creation of it all is 1 and 26 when he says, God said, Let us, with a capital, you make men in our image plural what god is more than one what's happening here according to our likeness god created men in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them and that's exactly what john is doing he in this case the word god is the word And the word is he, and he was in the beginning with God. Very clear. The word is God. In him, we see for the first time in here, was life. In verse 4. Now, whenever there is an in him in the New Testament, it is very, very good for you to do a little bit more study. Because these New Testament scholars, the writers, their goal is one thing, is to reveal the divinity, the Godhead of our Lord. Good example is in Ephesians chapter 1. If you have read Ephesians chapter 1, if you haven't read it, go and see how many times there are in him, in him. In him. And that's what he's trying to accomplish. Same thing. Biblical writers understood very clearly who Jesus is. Okay? Now, verse 6: there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, John, this is not everybody can tell that this is not John the Apostle. This is John the Baptist. And this man came for a witness. Very important word here, because this word will appear over and over and over. To bear witness of that light that through him might believe. Now this person, John the Baptist, was sent by God to do what? For a witness? To bear a witness. For what? The light. With a capital L here. So. Let me rewind back again. God is Word. Word is Him or He, and now addition to it, the Word, the God is Light. These are all same. You see what I'm point? You see where I'm going with this? John is saying that these are all same person. But John re here that John the Baptist is not the light, but was sent by God to bear witness of the light. That this light, which gives life and light, is very clear what John is saying. It's our Lord. Here's the really important thing that I want you to take away, if there's anything that you take away from these verses is that the John the Baptist are being remembered by John the Apostle. And I think there is a reason for it. I don't think they just randomly put John the Baptist there. Obviously, we know that what he accomplished. He proclaimed he came to prepare the way of the Lord. We know that already. But he was not the Messiah. He says it himself. But what was so important about John the Baptist was that John the Baptist was sent. Sent to bear witness of the light. And the following dad, his disciples, will also be sent. And for two thousand years, millions and millions of believers that proclaim the name of Jesus Christ was sent and also proclaimed the light. But here's the thing though. John the Baptist Historically, in a movement of Christian movement, is the first martyr who will die for his belief. And many will follow. And you remember when Jesus weeped over John, he was sad. I believe that he was, it was partly because that was just the first one. So many of the believers will die for their faith. Even today, we know that there are believers from Africa, China, by being persecuted and dying for their faith. But we know that John the Baptist is the beginning point. Verse nine, there was a true lie which gave light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10. He, now is switching back again, was in the world. And the world was made through him, as we have seen. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They missed God, both the world and his own people. God who created all things, they missed the incarnate word, God, Christ, Savior, Messiah. World did not know him even though he would made himself known to so many. His people, the Jewish people, Not only received him, but rejected him as Messiah. Why? Because he did not fit their movement. They were looking for Davidic Messiah who will relieve them from the pressure and the oppression of Rome. But we know that Jesus did not come to save with the force. But he came as the Lamb of God who will die for our sins. That was not good enough for the Jewish people. But verse 12 is a very important verse. This is the most important but in the Bible, not your rear conjunction. Why? Here's why, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. If you have actually paper Bible, I would say highlight the bud, but nobody cares Bible anymore. Do you understand what that means? the right, right to become. Now, you probably wonder, what right? What kind of right is this? Now, you have to understand, to understand what John is trying to communicate here, you have to understand his background, who he's trying to communicate to, and his background, Old Testament. Who are called the children of God in the Old Testament? Israel. And what did God do? With Israel, he makes covenant with them, and this covenant cannot be broken. It's a permanent. You can't change covenant. Once made, is forever made. That is the will of God. And so, this is what it's saying. For you, if you believe in the name of the Lord, if you believe Him. If you proclaim him, if you accept him as your Messiah, you have a covenant relationship with God. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand how big, meaningful that thing that is? It's not that we're just becoming a children of God. No. You're becoming his own. You become his very own people. All throughout the Old Testament, you have a one group of people. But God's divine plan was not to stop with the one group of people. His plan was a lot bigger, way bigger than all of us in this room combined. Millions and millions, the nations, was in his thoughts. And that's what this means. When Jesus came to this earth, when he came as the Messiah, suffering servant, that is, he gave opportunity for you to become the children of god now if that's not the good news i really don't know what that is you the moment you proclaim christ to be the lord and savior you're no longer the children of this world but you become the children of the most high god praise God he made the way for us he makes that covenant with us who are born verse 13 not of blood nor of the will of flesh nor of the will of man but of God it is a will of God this is not a manufactured thing this is not a fake thing. You cannot believe in the Lord and Savior if you don't truly believe, and if it's truly not the working of God. How can you put on the face of the figure 2,000 years ago? Unless it is a working of God. The reason why you are here this morning is because God has done a miracle in you. See, we think about miracle as this. Oh yeah, my leg grew out. Oh my, I was healed from cancer and all these different things. Bless you. It's all great. But the greatest miracle of all my friends is not that. It is one sinner becoming the child of God. That is the greatest miracle that is in this world. And you are the miracle. The moment you put your faith in Christ, you are miracle. And that's the good news, my friends. Later on, Jesus will discuss this new life with the Nicodemus. And he says, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, I know you're the Messiah. I see all these signs that you do. But Jesus says, but you must be born again. Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And this new life is all throughout the scripture. And now let me end with this. 2 Corinthians five sixteen through 18, it says, therefore from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ, According to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. All things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry. Of reconciliation. I'd like to ask our worship team to come up. This new life is readily available for us. God has paid the way. If you play if we place our faith, God of all creation, the word the light he who came if you put your faith in him you can become the children of God let us pray gracious Lord we are so grateful that you call us one of your own that you are our Heavenly Father, we are your children. So grateful, Lord, that you paved the way. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for finishing the race for us, by going to the cross for us, dying for us, pain and suffering for us, being separated from the Father for us. All we can say is thank you. Father, I pray this morning for those who have not placed their faith in you. I pray that, Lord God, that you intervene on their behalf. You invade In their life, the same Savior who came to my life and many of us in this life, I pray that same Lord will show up right now in this place. I thank you, Lord, for this time that we can celebrate you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us worship.